Welcome to church. Today, Pastor OJ is continuing our life-changing series, Dreams to Destiny, where he'll be talking about how to find success. If you're new here, we'd love to connect. You can message us on Facebook, Instagram, or by simply texting hello to 587-323-1199, and we'll respond right back. I'm so glad you could join us today. Good morning. Welcome to all you brave people. I've heard various reports about the temperature. I don't know who's right. Pastor Bev tells me in his greenhouse, who was, I believe, minus 34. Not sure why he was in the greenhouse this morning, but I don't think much is growing there right now. Uh, somebody else told me their car said minus 37. But I drive a warmer vehicle. Mine said minus 31. So, <laughs> But welcome to all you brave people in the house. And welcome to everybody online. And you might just want to turn your heat up a little bit in your house there so you're nice and comfortable, but not too warm so you fall asleep on us this morning. We are excited about our series. How many of you have been enjoying the series we've been? I've said this many times, those of us that get to present, we always get the most out of it. And I have to say, I'm getting a lot out of this series personally. And we've been talking about uh, moving from dreams to destiny. Now, the sad fact is that many people live with the dream instead of in the destiny. And we are in week three of a 10-week study of the life of Joseph, learning principles that are involved in moving from your dream into your destiny. Uh, last week, Pastor Doug uh, shared a, a great message. He spoke about Joseph ending up in the pit. Now, certainly, we've been all been there one time or another. You've been in the pit? I have. And regardless of how we ended up in the pit... We can learn from it. And character can be developed in the pit. However, the pit is not to be our dwelling place. And the pit is not to become our identity. And I've just been feeling this all week. Some of us have been staying in the pit too long. It's time to come out of the pit. Amen. Joseph learned a lot uh, in the pit. He had a lot of character development there in that process, uh, certainly. And that takes us to the topic of uh, what we'll be covering this morning is entitled, Who Cares About the Little Things? Let's stand together, please. And uh, at home or online, wherever you're watching from right now, if you can stand as well. We just want to open up our hands symbolically before, the God, before God inviting Holy Spirit to come, continue to come. He's already been here at work. So Lord Jesus, even as we stand here with our hands open, our desires, their heart would be open as well. That our heart will be open to you to come, to minister into our heart, to challenge us, to encourage us, to strengthen us, 
and to continue to develop the character in us that needs to be developed so we can go into our destiny. We invite your work this morning, and even as we sung moments ago, we would say, God, we surrender. We surrender. Do your work in our lives, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. One of my great joys in ministry right now in this stage of life is to be involved in quite a bit of mentoring and uh, have opportunity to mentor and connect with numbers of young leaders, both in the church and outside the church, both that are working professionally and ministry as well. And uh, it's always an encouragement. I learn from them. I get to impart to them part of my journey. And a number of months ago, I had one of the, uh, uh, the young leaders send me an uh, email with a, with a question. And I, I felt this email, his questions relate to our talk today. So I'm going to actually share with you uh, confidentially part of that email exchange. I'm not going to share the individual's name, obviously. But here's his question to me. He says, how have you kept the faith, kept up with doing hard work and finished tasks that seem utterly meaningless and provide very little life or joy? What gives you motivation when there seems to be none? Is it honestly just doing tasks with elbow grease and powering through them? Or can there be more to motivate someone when there is no passion to continue running the race. And uh, here's my response. I began, I says, hey, great question. I totally get it, and I totally understand the question. And I also think it is a very important process to work through. The realization that I've come to through my life experience is that the difference between failure and success in life in business, in your profession, and in ministry, is being willing to press in and to keep doing the repetitive things, the repetitive little things over and over. While individually they may seem mundane or small, when you add them all up, they actually will make the difference. And then I went on to write paragraph two. I said, I have a very high theology that God is at work even when I cannot see it or feel it. I believe that is a pattern throughout Scripture, and I'm believing that if I am faithful, I'm talking about myself, where he has placed me, then I can leave the results in his hands. I believe that God's measurement of success is way different than man's. I believe he will reward faithfulness not what my peers or culture defines as success. Then I went on to share a little story with him, and I'm going to share that story with you. A man walked by a building construction site. Three men were working and toiling away under the hot sun on that afternoon, just sweating in their work. And he asked the first man, like, what are you doing? And the man responded, well, I'm laying bricks, earning 20 bucks an hour. Then he asked the second worker, well, what are you doing? The second worker said, I'm building a wall. Then he asked the third man, what is it that you're doing? 
And he said, I'm doing a great kingdom work, building a great cathedral to be used to worship the king of kings. Three men. Three perspectives on their work. One was simply doing his job and earning an income of $20 an hour, his wages. The second man was also doing his job, earning his wages, but he was building a wall. And then there was the third man. He was also earning his wages. He was also building a wall, but he saw a bigger picture. He saw the big picture of the significance of his work and how it would be used to God's glory. He said, I'm doing a great work, building a place where God will be worshipped. And then I put in bold in my email, any work for God's glory is a great work. Even if it is a seemingly little thing. Who cares about the little things? But what would Jesus say? We can find out in Luke chapter 16, verses 10 to 12. Here's what he says. He says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So, if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth... Who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Who cares about the little things? Well, it seems that Jesus does. You know, every one of us would love to move into that amazing destiny we would like to arrive there now, sooner than later. But as we've already mentioned in this series several times, every great destiny carries with it great responsibility. And here's the amazing thing. God will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we were, are able. First Corinthians 10, 13. It might not be best for you at this time to enter into that destiny yet. Story is told about a man who went to see an old preacher about a problem. The man went on to explain. He said, you know, uh, when I made $50,000 a year, I had no problem with generosity. I was able to give away uh, generously, uh, approximately 10%, a tithe kind of, I was able to give it away. But I've got a problem now. I'm making $200,000 a year now, and I am really struggling with having to give away 10% or $20,000. Like that $20,000 is a lot of money. It's like four times as much as the 5,000 I used to give away. She said, Pastor, I don't know what to do. I just can't figure out how to handle this. Could you pray for me? Pastor thought for a moment, then he began to pray. God, I pray that you will pre please reduce this man's income so he can afford to be generous. <laughs> Ouch. Who cares about the little things? Well, God is watching to see whether we can be trusted with little things before he's going to give us the great things that are in store for us. 
If we cannot be trusted to effectively steward the little things in the seemingly little places, we will stay stuck and we'll keep going over the same test over and over and over again. Now Joseph had a prideful, arrogant attitude going into the pit. And let's not be too hard on Joseph. Every single human has to deal with pride and arrogance. But he had that attitude going into the pit. However, as we pick up the story of Joseph today, we are going to see that there's already been a major work in the life of Joseph. We are going to find today a much wiser and a more humble young man. You know, there's nothing like the pit to knock off some of the rough edges and pride in our lives. How many of you found that? Nothing like it. So the first test that Joseph encountered coming out of the pit is the stewardship test. And I was saying to somebody this morning, that might sound boring, but let me say to you, this is a critically important test. And we pick up the account of Joseph in Genesis chapter 39, verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. So in other words, Joseph had been sold into slavery. You know, a key part of the stewardship test is how we serve those, how we serve others, including those who have authority over us. You mean like our boss? Yeah, like our boss. You might say, do little things at work really matter? Do they really matter? Do little things like being someplace on time really matter? Or finishing a project on time? How about little things like keeping my word? I said I would do that. Does it matter? How about finishing what I've started? How about having a good attitude? Does it really matter? Well, here's what the Apostle Paul says in answer to that in Colossians chapter 3, verses 22 to 25. Here's what Paul says, bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing God. And then he goes on to say, whatever you do, whatever you do, work heartily. As for the Lord and not for man, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. Why? Because you are actually serving Christ. Wow. You're saying when I'm serving my boss, it is actually like I'm serving Christ? Even if I'm working for and serving an ungodly, unbelieving boss? Well, God wants you to serve that employer or that boss from your heart or that customer from a heart of all sincerity because as you do, you're serving Jesus. Now, if we can't serve unbelievers well, we'll never pass the test of stewardship. 
because God has actually placed you in the situation you're in right now. He's placed you there as his servant, and he's watching to see if you will faithfully, faithfully represent him to the world around you. So whatever your job may be, you must understand you don't only work for your employer, you also work for God. I think that changes everything, doesn't it? And because you work for God, he will reward you. He will promote you. And he will put his blessing on your life. We see in verse 2 of Genesis 39 that the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. So when Joseph was brought there as a slave, servant, he was probably tempted, like all of humanity, let's take some shortcuts. And maybe tempted not to totally apply himself to his work. But Joseph chose to honor God by being a good steward and doing things God's way. I really believe that's the reason Joseph was promoted everywhere he went. Because Joseph didn't only work for Potiphar. And then later on we're going to see that Joseph only, didn't only work for the uh, owner of the jail or the captain of the jail. And then also when he ended up in his destiny, we'll see that Joseph didn't only work for Pharaoh. Joseph always worked for the Lord. Joseph worked as unto the Lord, whatever his circumstances were. And you know what? God prospered him. Would that be okay if that happened to you? Would you mind if God made your job or your business or your life or your marriage prosper? What if God made your health your relationships, or whatever you put your hand to prosper. I know I've caught the attention of some of you now by using that word, and it's unfortunate that some very influential pastors in North America have gotten out of balance in this area and have developed what is labeled now as the prosperity doctrine. Now, this excess is not biblical, we do not agree with it, and we do not support it. As a matter of fact, it is a dangerous, self-focused view. However, the word prosperity is not a bad word. It is actually a biblical word. See, the Old Testament uses the word prospering 63 times. And then considering, consider these inspiring words from the New Testament in the, uh, Third John 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now the Hebrew word, which is used in the Old Testament, for prospering means to push forward or to make progress. And then if you go to the Greek word, as it's used in the New Testament, it actually means to help on the road. To help on the road is the Greek word for that. In other words, if you prosper other people, you help them along the road, 
You push them forward. You help them to get further than they were. How would you like God, God to push you forward in your work, in your marriage, or in your ministry? Would you like God to push you forward? How would you like to be, have to say to God, no God, stop pushing me forward. Don't push me forward anymore. Quit pushing. It's enough. I've already been so blessed. And God continues to push you forward. Prosper. So why would God want to prosper you? Why would God want to prosper anyone? Well, I believe God wants you be, to be blessed, to be a blessing. If you look at the pattern of Scripture, we see that we are blessed to be a blessing. See, biblical prosperity is always for the good of others and for kingdom purposes, and not for only for your own selfish purposes. It's for others, for kingdom purposes. That's why God wants to prosper you and bless you. And as we see in Genesis 39, verses 3 to 4, his master, Joseph's master, saw that the Lord was with him and that God, the Lord, caused all that he had to succeed in his hands. Isn't that amazing? So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him and he made him overseers of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. Wonderful. Sounds wonderful, doesn't it? But don't forget, Joseph is still a slave. He's been put in charge of all of Potiphar's goods, all of Potiphar's assets, and yet he has no natural reward for doing the good job that he's doing, not even a minimum wage. No guarantee. Because as a slave, as a servant, he had no rights of any kind at that time in that culture. However, Joseph didn't allow the injustice of his situation to prevent him from serving his master faithfully. He kept the right attitude. Let me ask you a very personal question. What's your attitude like at work? What's your attitude like uh, with your customers? What's your attitude like? Joseph proved himself a faithful manager of Potiphar's assets, and by that he passed the critical test of stewardship. The presence of the Lord was so obvious in Joseph's life that even his Egyptian master Potiphar somehow knew that the Lord was with Joseph. And we continue in Genesis 39 verses 5 to 6. And from that time, he made him overseer at his house and over all that he had. The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. Joseph actually brought the blessing of God into Potiphar's house. Are you bringing the blessing of God into your workplace or into your neighborhood or wherever you are? Are you doing that? The blessing of the Lord and all that he had in house and field. So he says, listen. So he left all he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him, he had no concern. He didn't even worry about anything except the food that he ate. Joseph was in charge. Interesting word, overseer, that's translated here. The Greek or the Hebrew word, 
in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word that's translated overseer here carries, actually carries the same meaning as the Greek word that is used in the New Testament in 1 Timothy and in Titus to refer to an elder of the church. So Joseph's master actually gave him the position of an elder in his house. An amazing, amazing high honor to put on a servant or a slave, an elder of the house. I would suggest it's up to us if we're going to walk in the blessing of God, even as Joseph did. And here are some of the principles. I want to take a few moments just to look at some of the principles that we can learn from Joseph's life that I believe are transferable to our situation today. And the first principle is this. The presence of the Lord in our life will bring blessing. Now, I'm not talking about the omnipresence of God. His presence that is everywhere, every place, and all the time. You see, every person in this world, every believer, every non-believer is in the omnipresence of God. That's not what I'm talking about. Nor am I talking about the inward presence of God. You know, when we become born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside your heart by faith. This is the inner presence of God. And it's a wonderful, amazing thing to have the spirit of the living God living within us, isn't it? It's a wonderful thing. But that's still not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is a daily walk with God that is so strong that it is obvious to people there is something different about you. God with you. God flowing out of your life. God manifesting from your life. Had an interesting conversation with someone this morning in prayer time. And uh, one of our our, uh, team leaders this morning and uh, she had no idea at this point was in the message. She was sharing to me how uh, she knew the title, Little Things Matter. And she says, I don't know, but I was at work and I, somebody that I rarely connect with because they're in a high-paced work environment said to her this week, like, what's different about you? That's what I'm talking about. That your life has impacted the people around you. They know there's something different about you. They know that God is with you. See, Joseph had the presence of the Lord on his life in a tangible way. And as I mentioned before, it's amazing that Potiphar, who was not a believer in God, he still somehow was able to recognize the blessing. He was able to recognize that the Lord was with Joseph. He was able to see it. Now the Lord was with him is actually a phrase that you will find throughout the Bible to describe many other people of faith. Does your boss, would the people around you who work with you, who may be unbelievers, would they recognize that God is with you? Would they recognize God's presence in you? Would they recognize that God's blessing is on your life and there's just something different about you? So the first principle that's translatable 
is the presence of the Lord in our lives will bring blessing. The second translatable principle is this. A heart of obedience to God will bring his blessing. See, obedience is the key to having the blessing of God in our lives. Because of his holy and righteous nature, God only manifests his blessings on people who are obedient to him. If we don't obey, he will not bless us. Deuteronomy 11, verses 26 to 27 says this, Look, today I'm giving you a choice, a choice between a blessing and a curse. You will be blessed if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you today. Amazing. We have a choice to obey or to disobey. We have a choice to walk towards the blessings or walk away from the blessings. And the amazing thing is that God is actually looking throughout the earth. Second Chronicles 16, 19 says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth. King James Version says the eyes of the Lord go uh, back and forth. Looking. He's looking throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Do you want to be that heart? God is looking for people with hearts that are fully committed to him. You might say, well, I get it. I get it. I know obedience is important. But I just can't seem to obey God in this area. I've tried. And I've tried. And I've tried. And I just can't seem to obey in this area. Well, let me say this. Working out of your own strength and trying harder and harder and harder is not the answer. Not the only answer. The key to a life of obedience is faith. And this is a translatable principle. Faith will produce obedience. See, if you truly believe that a life of obedience will produce the blessings of God then you won't try to obey him because you have to. You'll want to obey him. You'll desire to obey him. You might say, well, how do we get faith? Well, faith comes from hearing the word of God. It's another translatable principle that's confirmed in uh, Romans 10, 17, which says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There is something about hearing the word of God that produces faith. So the more of the word of God that you have in you, the more faith you will have. And the more faith you have, the more you will obey. And the more you obey, the more the presence and principle of God will manifest in your life. And the more often you live in the presence of God and in the will of God and the obedience of God, the more you will prosper and succeed. I watch these principles at work in my mom's life. She loved the word of God. She had a walk with God that I saw all through my growing up years and after I left home as well, whenever we connect. And she had a heart of service, served God and served others. 
I had already left home. I was on the police force at that time when she uh, went back to work. Actually, it's the first time she worked off at a farm and outside the home. And she got a job in a hotel. In the housekeeping department, she was helping make the beds and clean the rooms and so forth. And as I watched her career there, she became a supervisor. And then she became the head of the department. And then other departments like the janitorial and the laundry and other things were added to her management and oversight. And her departments became very profitable, reduced labor and material costs, and maintaining a high quality of service. The hotel business at that time also grew significantly, and they ended up with major airline and corporate accounts. And during her time there, the hotel won industry awards in her areas of oversight, good housekeeping awards, number of them for the industry. And all the while, the business being profitable and not compromising quality control. Say that's the blessing of God. But I remember having a conversation one day and I was thinking, I wonder how this is going to go. She was describing to me how the owners were asking her to compromise her Christian principles on something which she said, I cannot do that. So she went in and she said, I can't do this. I'm going to have to resign or you're going to have to figure out another way. You know, the owners actually backed off on that request because they respected her Christian testimony or Christian worldview and recognized she was a valuable employee which was, and was getting valuable results. She eventually stepped down from that role, again to serve, gave that up to go, come back home to care for my dad who became, had become terminally ill and she cared for him until he died. Now, after my dad's death, the Lord then blessed my mom with a lot of free quality time. And she was able to significantly pour in and spend time with all nine of her grandchildren. As a matter of fact, she literally watched them grow up and participated with them and with their parents. One set of parents being us, of course. She was able to see eight great-grandchildren born before she transitioned into heaven at the age of 90 years old on Father's Day. Did my mom have an easy life? No, she had a very difficult life. She had all kinds of hard times, hard things, adversities and struggles. But I want to say to you, as she walked with God, I can see she had a blessed life. I've seen it. Romans 1 I'm sorry, Psalms 1, verses 1 to 3 is one of my favorite sets of scripture. It reads this way, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Notice the pattern here. First we walk, then we stand, then we sit. I want to say to you today, be careful where you're getting your advice from. Be careful what is giving input into your life. And here's where you should be getting it from. Here's how, what it should look like. But his delight 
is in the law of the Lord, the word of God. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He thinks about it. It forms his thinking. He regurgitates it. And what happens? He will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water where there's freshness. And guess what? That brings forth fruit in its season. In its season, the fruit will come. And whose leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, and here's this word again, shall prosper. Praise God. Who cares about the little things? Well, God does. Jesus seems to. Joseph did. And many other successful people have. And I hope you do. Be faithful in the little things. In the seemingly little places. Spend time in God's word and watch your faith grow. And as your faith grows, obedience will follow. And as you obey, you will find yourself walking in the manifest presence and blessings of God in your life. What I've talked about today is not theory. It's not theory. I've seen it in action over and over and over again. Yes, there may be a delay. There likely will be a delay from the time of obedience to the time of blessing. Kind of like when you come to my sink, at least, in the kitchen and you turn the tap for hot water. Hot water doesn't come right away. It's cool. Then it gets a little warmer. Gets a little warmer. And if you don't turn off the tap, you eventually will get the hot water. I want to say to you today, keep the tap open. Keep it open. Keep persevering in faith and you will find the blessings of God will come in your life. Now the blessing may look way different than culture defines it, than than you might think it should look, but I want you to understand this. God is faithful. The blessings of God come through obedience. However, our relationship with God is all, all grace, isn't it? It begins entirely with grace. You are, our salvation is not by good works at all. It's entirely by grace. Entirely free. It's a free gift. And it comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in his death and in his resurrection. Faith in his shed blood to cover our sins. We can earn it. Obedience brings blessing. But salvation is entirely free. And that's where the journey begins. I want us all to just bow our heads for a moment in the house. And if you'd bow your heads online, I want to lead you in a prayer. And in this prayer, we're going to be inviting Jesus to come, to be our Savior and to, and to lead our lives. Lord Jesus, today, I yield my life to you. I surrender. Today, Lord Jesus, I affirm and believe that you died on the cross for my sins, that you rose again on the third day, and I receive, I receive your free gift of salvation. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. And I want to live out my life as a steward for your honor and glory. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
If you prayed that prayer for the first time today, I am so happy for you and uh, so encouraged. I just want to encourage you to text LIFE to 587-323-1199, the number appearing on your screen. And what will happen when you text LIFE, a, uh, another screen will come up and you can just put in some brief contact information and that will allow us to forward an online resource to you which will be very helpful in your new found journey of faith. The resource is called NEXT. So God bless you for doing that. If you're in the house today and uh, you want to talk to me about this, uh, please connect with me at the end of the service. God bless you for that. I just want to say in conclusion, this uh, stewardship test is a key test of life. In reality, we don't own anything. I don't know if you ever thought of it. I've done a lot of funerals in my day. I have never, ever seen any man's or woman's assets or belongings go with them when we do the burial. They stay here. See, you might own property, we might own things, uh, and uh, we're really just stewards of them for the period of time that we're alive, right? We're stewards. Everything we have, the earth and everything in it actually belongs to God, including our bodies, which we will lay down. So let's steward everything we have for the honor and glory of God. And let's give it all to him. And I want to say to you, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. And here's the, the ver words that I so dearly would love to hear. I'd love to hear the day I crossed that finish line. And as we heard from Lauren a couple weeks ago, the finish line is different for all of us. But every one of us will be crossing that finish line. And I believe this verse applies for then and it also applies for now. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Praise his name. Hallelujah, Jesus. Let's stand together. And uh, I want you just to open up your hearts as the, and uh, allow the word that has just been shared to just take root. James says, says, let's not just be hearers of the word, but let's be doers of the word. Let this word just be watered in as you reflect on the lyrics of this song and as you worship Jesus, even as the team leads you. God bless you. Thanks for joining us today. If you need anything, don't hesitate to contact us. You can find out more information on our website or on our Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. See you again next week.